what those three things do is they they create this environment where I feel mm, like I can't build a deep connection with you. Again, I had guy friends growing up. It wasn't like they were non-existent. I wasn't only hanging out with women. But what I never really did, or I did very rarely, is create a deep connection. So this is something that is spoken about very largely with um, the men's space masculinity is that a lot of men don't feel like they have that one or two deep-rooted friendships that like you could go to them with anything. And it starts to become more clear now as I pro progress through men's work is why. And it's not because men aren't there. It's just because of that, potentially maybe the same as the way I feel, that lack of safety and trust because that deep bond hasn't been curated. What's going on, everyone? What's going on? Welcome back to another episode of the Modern Mask Ulinity Podcast. I'm your co-host, Coach Atlas. What's going on? It's Anwar Ahmed, a.k.a. A Squared. We're both coming to you live from across the world. It has been a while since we have gotten a chance to have a podcast recording session. We've been busy friends we have been busy traveling doing new experiences one person skydived one person's been through a lot of men's retreats one person has done road trips with people they've never met one person has been a digital nomad it has been a wild journey for the last uh what three four months now for both of us but we're going to speak to the last uh, month and a half or so because even just in that in and of itself has been so wild for us so today's episode, what we want to do is we just want to talk to you about what's going on with us as your co-hosts. We have been experiencing life, which is one of the reasons why we haven't had an episode come out in a little bit. And so consider this your Modern Mass co-host update around what's going on and what we're learning and what we're teaching ourselves and what we've moved through because it's been a wild journey. It's been a wild journey. But before we do any of that, I almost forgot it's been so long. You know what time it is, folks. It's mood check. Mood check, mood check, mood check, mood check. I miss this. I, I actually do miss the mood check. I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> mood check. I, I do like that. And shout out to all the people who um who hit me up with the mood check like randomly. Like people, I'll just like see my old friends or whatever, and they'll be like, Oh, what's going on, man? Mood check. And it always gives me a little <laughs> laugh. It, it gives me a little laugh. I, I, I do, do really enjoy that. I do enjoy that. So keep that up. Keep saying yeah, that. Yeah, it's a keep, good Keep time. saying that to me. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Uh, what's going on? So right now we, we are on completely different time zones. We are across the world. So one of us, me, is waking up. It's fresh in the morning. Anwar is currently uh, going to bed. It is nighttime where he is. So we have probably completely different moods. So Anwar, why don't you take it away with the end of the day mood? What's going on for you? What's going on for big dog? Um, yeah, my I had a great day. You know, I'm, I'm like, I'm searching for when you're traveling, it's very rare that you get a day where there's like structure and order, you know, where you actually have a bit of something that feels like your routine. Like you wake up, you have breakfast, you go to the gym, you come back. Like the the days that you get that, there's a feeling of like, oh my God, I feel like I I, I progressed today. <laughs> I did something, mm, did something productive. Um, 
that's uh that's the thing that they don't tell you about traveling is that you know you're constantly sleeping on different mattresses you're constantly like you know packing your bag moving you're constantly you know discovering what the new coffee shop is or you know by the time you get comfortable with that when you're moving on to the next one like i'm literally moving out of this airbnb to another one tomorrow you know so it's you're always kind of living out of the seat of your pants so any day you get uh something that resembles your your routine back home it feels really good especially for me um too many days without a routine i start going stir crazy so uh i had a great day uh, a little bit of shopping did uh went to the gym caught up with some people in the morning um from back home sat down and you know actually went worked through a bit of a to-do list you know i just took a shower after you know a, a big workout and had a protein shake and ate, and then now I'm sitting down having a conversation with you, doing a mood check. Things, uh, things are in order here. There must be a full moon or something. Like things are, things are aligned. This is, this is a good day for me. This is a good day. Feels, I could do that. Feels like I, this is what I do. This is a normal day in, uh, in my normal life back home. So, um, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling really great. I'm excited to wrap the day up with this and catch up with you and figure out, you know, all the stuff that you've been doing too. I'm super highly curious about your life right now. Nice. Nice. I, I wholeheartedly agree. It feels good for a moment of not having a routine. And then as soon as it gets a little bit too long, then your mind's like, mm-mm, mm-mm, there's too much uncertainty now. I'm going to need some, I need some clarity here. I'm going to need you to get something done. That's the same as it has been. Like <laughs> I want to need some of that. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh. That's, and you, um, for those that don't know, you're in Bali, right? I am the, the human, the what i'm calling just straight up a sauna like it's the you can call it baller you can call it a sauna it's i don't i don't, I don't i've never sweat this much in my life i'm just like Why? you know when you've been in a swimming pool too long and your hands get pruny yes that just happens after workouts like if you go work mm. out you're sweating so much that your hands are pruny like that's how much water is like i can wring out my shoe at this point like i'm steamed mm. broccoli I'm just, I'm just getting cooked. <laughs> it's, it's hot. That's one it's of my favorite hot. analogies I have ever had. And it's so different because I'm like, I haven't been to Bali myself, but I was curious to know about the weather style. And I know it was going to be hot. Um, that's what it seems like anyway, but I didn't realize it was going to be that humid. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, when I spent three months in Costa Rica, it felt really humid, but I didn't sense like I ever became steamed broccoli. You know what I mean? Like, I don't feel like it mm-hmm. got to that point. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> but i guess like you mentioned like bali's definitely steamed broccoli yeah yeah yeah. i don't wish this upon nobody it's good i mean I, i'm shredded i guess that's a plus like i feel like True. i'm just like <laughs> i'm like leaking out so much water i'm just like <laughs> it feels like i'm uh you know those like those vacuum seal things where you can like put a bunch of clothes in and mm-hmm. then you just like suck out all the air yeah it's, i'm yep. somewhere i'm somewhere between broccoli and that bag somewhere between there that's, gotcha that's, that's yeah okay. that's my mood that, yeah. that image is, is very odd. I can see a, a limp piece of steamed broccoli and this like tight wound bag of chicken, like just steam, like just suction. Yep. And I'm just like, yep. what the? <laughs> That's what I'm going with. That's my final answer. That's my final answer. <laughs> That's how I feel. Um, okay. Bali's okay. Dope, I like that. that. That's a hell of a mood check. <laughs> steamed broccoli and suction wrapped chicken. Okay. Noted. Noted. Oh, goodness. Um, okay, so man is in Bali. Um, your your friend here. Uh, I am currently in Mexico, Tulum specifically still. And my mood this morning, because it is morning for me, nice and fresh and early, 
is what is my mood? My mood is hot. It's hot. It, you know, I thought that high season in Mexico was hot, but I didn't realize that it actually has hotter summers, like the regular summer um, months that it gets hotter. So it turns out it's just about to get hotter and hotter and hotter. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Should be fine. Shouldn't be a problem whatsoever. Uh, it has become about equal to a scorching desert. It is, it is spicy. It is spicy. That sun hits your skin and you're, you're tanned in about two minutes flat. That is a spicy sun. I'm sitting here in the morning. Just woke up. The sun's barely risen and I am already hot. I would like the AC on right now, but I don't have the remote next to me. So we're going to have to suffer through this podcast. <laughs> um, but my mood this morning um, is, oh man, I'm so happy to be recording again. So I feel, I feel good about that. I feel, you know what? I don't want to say good. I feel excited. I feel grateful. And I am, yeah, feeling, feeling very, very grateful for this, very grateful for this and for this space that we've created. Ugh, it's, it's, it's good. It's good. It feels good. It feels really good. It feels really, really good. And I had a great morning. My morning routine has completely changed. I have a dog. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned the last podcast. I have a dog who wakes me up every morning to go outside and pee and poo. So I'm up no matter what. So I kind of have my own alarm system set up, which is, yeah, a little early at times, but it gets the job done. I get up, I get my routine done. So I was grateful to be able to do that before this. So yeah, man, my mood, my mood is ready to go. Grateful and ready to go. So how, so how, as a guy who doesn't own dogs or anything like that, like, how does that, how does that go? Like the dog just like comes to you and just like, what, just barks or like, how does, how does this work? So yeah, it depends on the dog. It definitely depends on the dog. Every dog is different. Um, some dogs like wait till you wake up. Like they're just like, whatever, like I'll just, I got it. I got a strong system. Um, but Vita, our pup is well, we think she's about seven months old. She's a rescue. So she's been learning really well, but at some point, usually around six 45 in the morning. And that's like pretty much bang on. Sometimes it's six 50. Very rarely is it seven, 7 AM are the nice days. You just, that extra 15 minutes just feels really good when she just leaves you alone. And she'll come in and she will, she sleeps in the room, just not on the bed. And she will jump up on the bed, essentially, just with her two front paws. And she'll paw at you. And she might lick you if she can get access to you. Um, very rarely does she actually jump up, up. But she will just let you know, like, get the hell up. Like, if you don't, it's okay. I'm going to go pee in the living room. But I just want you to know, like, it's time to go. <laughs> so then I play the game with her sometimes. I push her off and I'm like, no, no, please, please. I was so dead asleep about 30 seconds ago. But she's like, yeah, all right, cool. So then she'll walk away. She'll pee in the living room. She's like, you don't want to mm. wake me. You don't want to wake up. So I told you I had to pee. Like, I don't know what you want from me. Um, so it's a good laugh. So, you know, just to get up. But that's how that's how the system works. Rarely mm. will she not go pee in the living room. She'll go away. She'll play for like 30 seconds, but then she'll come back and say, no, I, I ain't kidding. I'm like, hey, 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 like I need you right now. Like, it's not mm. just pee this time. It's poo. Like, come on, let's go. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's the system we got for now. Yeah. If only we all had uh, that level of consequence for hitting snooze. Imagine you could you, you could like, yeah, that was <laughs> Imagine our real life snooze button. There's those kind of consequences. Like, yeah, you can hit snooze. They'll just be shit in the living room waiting for you. If you, you, you can hit that thing four times if you want. We'll just keep growing this pile in the living room. 
there would be way more productive people in the world if that is you could if your snooze so button had consequences. Oh man, damn, I like that. That would be that's so valid because the worst part is it wouldn't be your pee or your own poo, and oh, that's always the worst. worst. You got to clean up way somebody worse. else's pee and poo. So like. <laughs> Nah, nah, I'm, uh, I'm uh, not. Oh, you want to be up at no. six forty-five? How about six thirty? I'm already up. What's up? Yeah, yeah. I'm before your body. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Try me. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Madness. That's good. That is a great analogy. Yeah, I did not did not think we'd talk about uh, Vita's bowel movements for this long, but um, here we are. This is the dog owner <laughs> life. This is the dog owner <laughs> life. Somehow yes, the pet yes, works it its is. way into every conversation. Um, All right, let's uh, yeah, let's let's chop it up, man. I love like love the mood check. I feel like this is this whole episode is going to be a pretty extended mood check. To be honest, it's just an update on what's going on in our life and what we're thinking about, and you know some of the what really kind of um, I guess sparked the the idea for this podcast or the curiosity of it is one we need an update. Um, one to the audience, one to each other. Um, and then two, mm-hmm. you're doing a lot of work in the men's space right now. You know, you've in mm. this chapter in Mexico and Tulum, you've you've gone yourself into a couple of different men's groups, you know, who are um, pushing similar agendas, but different agendas. And, you know, you're engaging in, I guess, what we would call like the masculine space with, you know, men supporting men, brothers supporting brothers. Um, and you're getting mis- mixed results, it sounds like, from the short conversation that we had. So I really, I really wanted to, us to kind of talk about that one um talk about you know your your, the transition home i guess you know i'm 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 embarking on my transition home as well um right away um and you know maybe summarize you know what traveling is what you've learned from traveling what you've perceived about traveling what you've learned about yourself um and then yeah i went on a silent meditation retreat so we'll touch on that while we touch on you know the um the workshops but yeah let's start there you know let's without, without giving up too much like what did you let's start with what workshops did you join how many did you join Mm. um and just give us some context on kind of i guess the the why did you choose those ones what was your kind of vetting process um if someone was interested in joining Mm -hmm. a men's you know workshop or things like that what are kind of the things that you look for before signing up something like that Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah 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 oh goodness there's been a lot so uh, for those that are looking for men's spaces, men's brotherhood. I won't lie. There is a lot available in Tulum, Mexico. A lot, a lot. Ironically, a lot more than the major cities I've been in. So Calgary and Toronto, like there's more in the small town of Tulum than there is in both of those cities, which is wild, um, but very cool. It's been very cool to experience and to have access to that. I didn't think that that would be the case. I thought it would be more of just a um, open community, just everyone kind of doing events. But no, there's a lot of very select men's spaces. So I'll back up because before I even did that, I came to Tulum in a men's container. So it was essentially a four-month men's work program. And I was doing it online. And it was through actually two um, incredible people that I know back in Calgary. They own it. They run it. And one of them has been on here, Andy. He runs the space called Kings of Hearts. And Kings of Hearts is a men's platform for developing healthy masculinity, developing leadership, integrity, things of that nature. 
And so I was a part of that for four, four months. It was bi-weekly sessions and it was with a group of about eight people. So they keep it pretty quaint, pretty tight. And I appreciated that because I think the bigger group probably would have maybe withdrawn some of the truths that I wanted to share or could have shared. So it was nice to have the small group setting. And I think it made it really more intimate together. Like I really got to know those guys. You know, there was space and room to really get to know other men. And my intention with that group was actually to go in to work on my struggles with trusting men. So I don't know if I have shared that yet on this podcast, but something that I have come to learn about myself is that I have a hard time trusting men. And not that I go out of my way to maybe see them in a, in a, in a poor light, but I have through experience really been, or maybe taught myself that it's an unsafe environment and it is not a trusting environment. And so what I mean by that is a lot of men were in and out of my life growing up. It was not a consistency. I didn't trust them with my truth. I didn't trust them with my authenticity. I didn't trust them to stay around. And that kind of just continued on. I didn't really realize why I was struggling to have friendships with men that were solid, you know, like a solid, firm friendship that you and I have or that Edward and I has. It was so rare to find for me. And I felt like so many other people had it. They had more of it than I did. Now, maybe that's not true, but it was perspective based anyway. And so I thought to myself, you know, I really got to, I got to work on this because I know it's a missing part of my life is men. And I spent my whole life dating women. Um, That's what I kept myself busy with. So uh, I, I entered that container. There was a lot of work done and it was an incredible experience because there were some practices in there that I did not expect. Uh, I got an opportunity to clear a lot of my shame in there, which was really cool. Um, I had more shame about myself than I had thought. And I was given the opportunity to build brotherhood, to be trusted, and to also trust that they would show up and not leave and not abandon the space, not abandon me. And we held each other accountable for four months, which I've never been a part of. And we had practices, we had daily routines, we had um, a lot of really great, without giving the entire program away, I really enjoyed it. And I highly suggest it. I think that that four months was very transformative for me. I did a lot of great things in there. Uh, I was very proud of myself for the consistency and integrity. And then that really asked me to show up for myself, which I think is something I thought I was doing. And then in little small pockets, you know, here and there, turns out I wasn't. And that was causing a lot of internal struggle, internal turmoil for me. So that was my gateway. That was kind of like step one of really diving headfirst into being in community with other men, right? You and I had that podcast. We had had this podcast for a while at that point. So that was my first, like, okay, go and be a part of something. Like actually put yourself in the space. Kings of Hearts was the first time that I did that. So that's kind of where it all starts. You're going to have to skirt, reverse, and back that truck all the way up, all the way up, all the way back. Trusting men. So let's, let's, let's stay on that topic for a second. What did you discover about this? Because I think that this is super interesting. Um, especially how you also added a little wrinkle there of, you know, you kept yourself busy by dating women. You know, it was kind of like, I'm going to have this really, really small circle. You know, I'm not going to 
prioritize putting myself out there towards men. I'm just going to focus on myself, putting myself out there with women. And then the occasional guy who wanders on that I have that, that connection with, it'll, it'll be like the rent. It's like when you get a piece of chocolate in a trail trail mix, you know, and you got like all the trail mix, then you get one little nugget of chocolate. You're like, Oh, a little chocolate. Nice. That was a treat. I wasn't expecting that. Um, why? Um, what's the, why do you think it's so hard to trust men? If you take, you can take, you can take that question and go the inner child work way. If you want to go that way, like your past and looking at, you know, older father figures or older men in your life, or I can, you just be objective, just straight up. Like when you think about men, like what are the resistance feelings that you feel like, do you feel like there is because they're guarded, you can't be honest or because they're. Um, like what are the initial feelings that come up for you when, you know, you have an opportunity to connect with a guy and maybe it's not so lovey dovey, like as, as it would be when you engage with a, with a, with a female companion or female friend or something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a lot that's jumping to my mind. A big one that I think I didn't ex well, I think I expected, but not to come up in this moment. I haven't really been conscious of it in a while is that, uh, it had always felt like I was in competition with every single one of them. So if I were to share something vulnerable or shameful, right, or something I was struggling with, and the instant perception is that you're not as strong as me. Like, that's how I, I think I would feel. It's like you're, I'm being judged for my inability or what is perceived as some sort of inability to move through what I'm moving through. And... Yeah, that's tough, right? Like, I feel like we've definitely been taught to just always be in competition. And it was... It's a good thing, but at the same time, there's a lot of unhealthy versions of competition. So that's that's one big objective one, but one I've also experienced. Two, I grew up with, like I mentioned, like men just constantly in and out. So when that happens, you don't see them as a consistent part of your life. And so to invest your time into that space to only then know they're going to leave you is not very motivating. It's not very inspiring. So that's a big one for me. Um, three, I never experienced a safe environment emotionally with men. So for example, the only emotions that I witnessed or was around was unhealthy forms of anger or rage. And very rarely did I ever see a, a tear. And because of that, if I was really angry or rageful or I was really sad and tearful, I wouldn't go to them with it because I watched how they reacted to their own emotions. And I also watched them react to my mother's emotions or any woman's emotions. And so I, again, I didn't seem like, oh, you could hold this. You know, I didn't seem like you, you could just hold space for this or you would be able to support me in this. It's like, it doesn't seem like you can support yourself with it. So I don't feel safe or trusting in approaching you with that. And so what those three things do is they, they create this environment where I feel mm, like I can't build a deep connection with you. Again, I had guy friends growing up. It wasn't like they were non-existent. I wasn't only hanging out with women. But what I never really did, or I did very rarely, is create a deep connection. So this is something that is spoken about very largely with um, the men's space masculinity is that a lot of men don't feel like they have that one or two deep-rooted friendships that like you could go to them with anything. 
And it starts to become more clear now as I pro progress through men's work is why. And it's not because men aren't there. It's just because of that potentially maybe the same as the way I feel that lack of safety and trust because that deep bond hasn't been curated. It hasn't been built. Right. And so I think that's kind of where my mind goes to initially anyway, is the absence, the in and out, the emotional unavailability, the, the competition, and then, yeah, I think that, I think that's what comes up to me for now. I think that, does that, does that spark up anything for you around safety and trust with men? Um, I mean, I, I agree that those things exist in the men's space. I think that yeah, it's, uh, if there's, if, if, if you're dealing with an audience that is perceived to be guarded, it's hard to trust them, right? It's like, if this person is really guarded yes. and it was very stoic and, you know, I think it's, there's a reason why we might feel more comfortable opening up with the women is because, you know, they put their heart on the table and then you put your heart on the table and it feels like an even playing field, right? Where sometimes mm -hmm. speaking to a man feels more like stepping into your boss's office and telling him something really difficult about your job you know where they have to hold the position they can't yeah. conform they just have to take your complaint on and then try to help you fix it maybe uh, and then you never really know where you stand with that person by you telling them the truth of how you felt you know so um but they a lot of times they could be maybe in a completely non-judgmental way they're you know just solution oriented like hey man appreciate you telling me that let's do this about that and then okay but there is sometimes a big feeling that kind of sits there. It's like, oh, does this person think I'm less than now, you know, because I shared that or where mm -hmm. um, I think that when you share with a woman or, you know, you share with a partner or something like that, your masculinity in the conversation isn't really being challenged. You know, you're like, hey, I'm feeling this. They're like, I'm feeling this. And then you go back to doing what you're doing. They go back to doing what they're doing. It's more of just like a boardroom collaboration space, you know. Um, I think that, 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 and it brings that, up one other part two, just to, to interrupt quick, it brings up um, the guardedness, the guardedness lands for me. And what, what I think happens is I, I essentially am internalizing the narratives that I grew up witnessing. So don't be a bitch, don't be a pussy, like you're fine. So as I grow up, I continue to tell myself that whenever I have that emotion. And so then I stuff it, I shut it. And then there's nothing really to share now anyway, because I've just internalized that narrative. I'm treating myself the way that I was shown is how you treat these spaces so obviously in my head you're going to treat me that same way i don't want you to see me as a little bitch or as a little pussy so i why would i share that with you if i know that's the general narrative right i don't want to be seen in that light so i'm going to i'm going to pump the brakes I'm, I'm going to withdraw and then i become more guarded as i internalize that voice as i speak to myself more and more like that uh, and then now i'm not even in deep connection with myself right now i've distanced myself from myself so I don't have anything to share with you now. I don't even I don't even know what's going on. My authentic my authentic voice is 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 clouded. It is locked away. Now I'm just this service level connector who talks about sports and food. You know what I mean? Like sports and physical activity. Like that's all I talk about now because I don't even know what else I could share with you. So that's something else that I think comes up as well. Um, and it's just repeated as a practice, really, almost an unintentional practice. Yeah, it's a uh, valid points. You know, I think that there's some, definitely some validity there. It's not my real experience. I think that at a young mm. age, I um, I, had, I built a lot of trust with men in, in the sport arena. You know, I feel like mm. it was more my to me. My trust is built on like the battlefield. 
you know, when you have to be able to go into war with somebody and they got your back or you play really well together or, you know, you have a moment in, you know, the sporting, you know, I think my original vulnerability came out through sports, you know, where I showed a crazy amount of emotion. My team rallied behind me. My coach supported me. They, they got me, got me back to the headspace that I needed to be in. And they never saw me as less than, you know, like it was a bad game. I got kicked out of the game. I let my emotions get the best of me. You know, I still love my teammates. I still love the game. I just, you know, and it was just this arena for me to continue to practice one, trusting my teammates, trusting my, I had one whole season where I, the whole lesson that year was about trusting the teammates. I was, I was probably, you know, the better basketball player on that team. I was probably the best basketball player on that team, but my inability to trust my teammates was hurting the overall trajectory of our team. You know, I was doing individually well, but my lack of ability to trust anybody else and then that's when I had to become like a leader, you know, and figure out how am I going to get the best at everybody? How am I going to how am I going to trust this person even if I don't actually trust them, you know? And then and then working through those kind of things. So I have a different, you know, I guess um, trajectory with masculinity in terms of you know trusting men. So I've never not trusted men, but I am aware of how much I can maybe sometimes share with a man or how much I can. Uh, but then I'm also it takes a little bit of humility too, right? I think that for me, I've never been scared of sharing something intimate and deep with someone that I have vetted that I think has my best interest. And then not creating narratives in my own mind, but either getting that person out of my life or continuing to share with them based on their response and based on their react, you know, and I, I'll offload little things, you know, it might be a small favor. It might be a little bit, uh, you know, a nice little detail about my life. And then based on what you do with that, if you manipulate that to either see me differently or weaponize me with the information that I've shared with you or whatever the case may be, then I'll flip my script and I'll, I'll change my tone with you. Um, but typically early on, I spent a lot of my time being vulnerable to ultimately create motivation so it would be like I would share something vulnerable, they would share something vulnerable, and from that vulnerability, we would need to like rally and do something with it, whether you know we, I needed to get this person from A to B or whatever the case may be. So I would almost use my vulnerability to get them to be vulnerable so I, I could find the intrinsic value that they had to pull it and, and, and move it into a different direction. And then life got real like because when you're young, I didn't have really much to bitch and complain about. <laughs> I, was, I was a kid like, you know, and then you get older and life gets real. And, um, you know, in the last couple of years of my life, it's like, yeah, there's people I cannot talk to about some of the stuff that I'm thinking about or, um, and then, you know, you got to really, really pick your poison, you know, a little bit more clearly. Cause it is, there is, it's hard to say certain things to certain people and not feel like, uh, eh, they're going to judge you. And even to women, you know, I think that there's some women too. It's like, I don't know if I could tell you that and you're not going to change your perspective of me, you know? So I don't think it's a necessarily a masculine or a feminine problem. But I do think that men would lean to someone that you wouldn't trust more just because they might not, you might share something, they might not share shit, which leaves you in the dark. You know, I think most times if you speak to women, they will equally share the sharing. You know, it will, it will be a bit more of a gossip circle. You'll be able to, everyone will feel like they gave up something. So no one feels like they're going to be portrayed. Um, where sometimes talking to men, it feels a bit TMZ. Like, uh, you know, it's like, I just gave you hot shit and I got nothing in return. So it's like, what are you going to do with that? You know, and you kind of feel like, and sometimes it has nothing to do with them weaponizing. It has a lot to do with their inability to share, you know, their inability. They might've been like, damn, I want, I would love to have the courage that this guy has, but it's not serving. It doesn't really serve me to, you know, 
you know, I think you said something there that was pretty poignant when you said, I'm not really connected to myself. I'm not really, I think a lot of men perceive that to be actually the safety blanket because being connected to yourself and having those real emotions and having to deal with them changes who you are and how you show up in the world. And in the world, that man most of the time isn't the one that's winning, you know? And so for most people, they're thinking, well, that person doesn't serve me in the world. Like this robot that I've created is actually working in the world. And this authentic person that you want me to become is not going to work in the world. Like I can't show up to work and say those things. I Like, you know, it's actually in my best interest to suppress my emotions. It's actually in my best interest to, you know, I have to carry this demeanor and these things, these coping mechanisms that I've put together all play to the game. Um and so it's definitely easier said than done, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm waffling a bit here, but there is a lot of truth to the idea that it's harder to probably open up to a guy. Therefore, it's harder to trust a guy, um, especially if you're not in a, in a, in a competing space, you know, like if you're not competing together, especially if you're not, like if you're not on a basketball team or in a business thing together or in a brotherhood or, or in a workshop that you're saying, if you're not collectively like the, the, us collectively need to get to a certain place of chemistry and camaraderie and whatever. If it's just like I'm meeting a guy on the street, just your life versus my life. It's a very combative space. Most times, you know, mm-hmm. it's a very rigid space and a very hard place. But I did want to segue that into yeah. a question because I think it's really interesting for a gentleman who doesn't trust any men or has a hard time trusting men and then maybe comes and comes from a background of you pretty much got raised by your mother and, you know, stepfathers that, you know, showed very little mm-hmm. interest in, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, being stepping into a father figure role for you. How did you figure out masculinity or like what was then your like, OK, well, I'm going to figure out masculinity this way. Right. Because if Mm. it just feels like a very lone wolf experience, like no real father figure in the home. I don't trust guys. I'm going to hang out with women. The trajectory of masculinity there to me looks pretty flat in terms of like a a mentor, you know, like it's like, who are we? Who are we going to masculinity information about or where am I learning about masculinity? Um, Talk to me about that, because I'm curious about where you were when, you know, it seems like you're still working through trusting men. So you're, you know, pretty much 30 now. Where have you been the last 30 years and how have you been learning about masculinity if, you know, not trusting men is at the forefront and no real, no real father figure presence in your life either? Um, who's your teacher? Mm, mm-hmm. mm, good question. Good question. It has been, yeah, an up and down roller coaster as most journeys are. The first um, thing to note is that I did have a consistent stepfather for a certain period of my life and it was for like a solid like 13, 14 years. So there was a consistent person in that frame. Before that was the in and out where my younger years, there was a lot of my father, my sister's father, things of that nature. So there were, there were, there were men present in my life in a different way. And then one person did become consistent, but then inevitably in the long haul did end up leaving through a divorce. So then it kind of just reaffirmed the belief, right? Like that, that they're going to go eventually, right? So that specific dynamic I had was um, with 
that it essentially created the unsafety because of the way in which that specific person viewed their own emotions. And so I kind of just modeled that viewpoint of like, they're not good, they're not helpful, they're explosive, and they don't ever help. So then therefore, I don't have the ability to share my emotion to this person because they're just as disconnected to their own. So I should just be disconnected to my own. As I developed, I uh, had more of a willingness to share with women because I would share with my mother. So then when I got into relationships, it was kind of like that outlet of like, hey, like I can talk now, like I can share my my stuff kind of idea. And then as I aged, I became, I think I was 19 at the time. I got a restaurant job with with Cactus actually. And my first time I witnessed what I thought was, let's frame it, healthy masculinity was my GM at the time. And he was my first glimpse of what it could look like. Before that, all my jobs, all my potential careers, schooling, all this stuff, I still felt like I was witnessing what I had always witnessed was the guardedness, the closed offness, the disconnected to self, um, and the unhealthy, I'm going to frame it, unhealthy forms of mm, accountability, let's call that, Okay. So then when I was at this job, what I witnessed was loving accountability, which was so different for me. And it was in a moment where I didn't follow through on something. This is the example that comes to my mind with that specific GM. He is someone I consider my mentor. And in that moment, when I did not follow through after being told a few times to follow through the accountability that he gave me or essentially just offered was so potent, but also so like, I only want the best for you. Like I see so much in you. I only want the best for you and I can see it in you and I know what you're capable of. And it's more than this. And the way that it was done was in such what felt like a dad way like what I would have perceived a dad to do. So it was so shocking for me, but so powerful and potent. And then from there, just the characteristics of this person, they were great. They were fantastic. They knew a lot. They regulated themselves a lot. They cared a lot about other people. They cared a lot about their themselves and their own health. Like they really felt like they were in many ways, at least from my knowledge, without being in their household, was a model masculine man. So, from there, I really just started to be like, okay, let's be like him. You know, let's let's be like him. That makes total sense. I really like that. So I started to try to model that. And then from there, I think my next one that jumps to my mind as far as a model would be, uh, uh, I think, Tony Robbins. Uh, ma- mainly because of his vitality. Like I felt like he was so... Um, so... What's the word... It just seemed like he was living so big and so pure and also so um, fulfilled. Let's call it that, fulfilled. It just seemed like there was this next level joy that was also possible, but also like, hey, listen, I want the best for you. I'm going to hold you accountable. I'm going to do this with you. I got you. Like just this like, I'll, I'll call it king energy, like this, this ability to support you in the way that he did was similar to my mentor of like, come on. Like, I know you can do this. Like, I got you, right? Um, But 
that all of that was simply like um, an awareness piece for me. Taking action on that was a lot harder because I didn't know the route. I didn't know the journey. I didn't know what I was supposed to do, what the steps were. How do you even become these people? <laughs> Which is funny because as I say that out loud now reflecting, I'm like, become those people. Interesting. Not become more myself, become those people. That was an interesting journey. When we broke up or initially, me and my partner, that was when I started on the masculine journey because that breakup said to me, who are, who are you even as a man? I have no idea. So then you're right. I did the lone wolf journey. This whole time has really been lone wolf, just to clarify. It's really just been that lone wolf journey of like, do it on myself. Don't ask the questions. Don't get curious about how they did it. Just figure it out. You should just be able to figure it out. So that whole year I spent in, in masculine work and it all still fell flat. Like I learned a lot, but it still wasn't like, an, I don't want to use the word enough, but it still wasn't fully present for me. And it wasn't until this podcast and the Kings of Hearts group, and now in this moment, being a part of the other men's groups I've been in, in Tulum, where I have witnessed and been able to be held and be seen um, in that, in all of that, in all of my authenticity, my truth. And also I can share that in these spaces. And so it's being held. And so that is now I have a bunch of different types of models where I can see how they work and what I like and appreciate and what I could adopt. And I can also talk to them about how they did it and what got them there and things of that nature. So I hope that answers the question because I know I veered, but I think that that is kind of where the models started to in place themselves and then where the trust started to build and how it built. And I think to wrap it all up, it only really started to build um, in a community of other men, like in an actual like brotherhood circle or program or something like that's when it started to really click for me. Okay. Be like Tony. Okay. I think we all, I think we all in our own, you know, capacity, we, we either stumble upon somebody who, um, sparks interest or inspiration and we all are just copying somebody at, at some degree. And I think that the coolest, the coolest chapter of your life is when you've embodied the copying and you're actually now starting to change it, modify it to be more you. You know, I think that that's like the coolest chapter of life. But I think that we all at a young a young journey or a young portion of our life just emulate somebody, you know. And I think that the community that you're talking about, you're finding now where that community for me, when I reflect on my journey, was a basketball team originally with, you know, a coach who was a leader. And, you know, then, then there's the team and then there's where you fit within the team and then there's, you know, there's the macho guy on the team and then there's that like really quiet guy, but we all bring something to winning so you know you have to figure out how can we not just honor the, the 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 alpha in the room but like how could we pull up some of these you know how do we get the best out of the beta how do we get the best out of the shy guy how do we get the best out of the introvert how do we get the best out of you know because all we're going to collectively need to figure out how to win um so that's super interesting. But guardedness, I think, is a term that's come up a couple of times. You also mentioned the word shame earlier. What have you learned about, I guess, your own guard and just maybe the guardedness of some of the other people in these workshops? 
you know, when you go into these workshops, I'm sure some people are a little bit more vocal about their experience. Some people need some time to warm up. Like, how do these dynamics go for someone who's never been in a workshop when you all kind of get there and you go, yeah, I just signed up and I thought I would hope for the best. And now I'm here and I'm like, shit, I don't share shit with anybody. <laughs> like, what are the first couple of days like in these workshops and how do they help, I guess, support some of that guardedness? What are the, what, what, what are first day vibes like? What are, what are the discussions typically around? Um, and then maybe touch a little bit on that shame that you, you, you brought up earlier. Cause I think that's a complex um, piece of information that doesn't really make sense to a lot of people. Um, why shame would come up so much in the men's space. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the guardedness is definitely present in the initial stages. I found in every single container that I have been in, uh, right up out of the gate, everyone is definitely guarded. They are coming in with their own sense of guardedness to protect. Makes total sense. And including myself, I come in, I don't feel safe. I feel maybe even slightly threatened. Mind is perceiving this whole experience as something new. And so it needs to protect from any sort of harm emotionally or psychologically, maybe even physically. So you're just closed in and you're just witnessing initially in all of the containers that I've been in. Um, the one that didn't go that way. Mm, no, it mostly did, but it started with a, it started with play, which was very different and is not usually the first go-to for most men's spaces. So it was kind of a disruptor in that it said, okay, you don't know any of these men. You've never met them before. Maybe you know one or two. And what I want you to do is I want you to essentially have, ironically enough, we, we had a small pillow fight and we also acted like animals and crawled on all fours and did weird movements for maybe three minutes. And it sounds so wild to speak out loud that that's what happened. But the thing with that was that it was so potent in yeah, that, the I, short I amount of lie. time. That's, that sounds wild. Did you just say a <laughs> pillow fight? And I know, I know there's like a whole group of masculine men that just, just, just left the group chat. Just, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm out of here. See you later. <laughs> Signing out. <laughs> Signing out. Stick around, fellas. Stick around. I know this is, this is, this is just, it's probably a part of their whole entire thing is just to kind of throw you off. But a pillow yes. fight. Oh my God. Okay. Do tell. Do we pull out yes. makeup next or what happens? It, it was so ironic in the way that it works. And it was so potent because right after, so we essentially had the opening ceremony and we were going through this exchange with the other men and he was speaking as we were doing it. And what he was noting was just be aware of your body right now. Just be aware of what it wants to do. And he also didn't say like, it doesn't want to open up. It doesn't want to be this and that. It was also like, notice where you are avoiding this notice where you are hiding right now as you do this practice and notice your resistance to just being whoever the hell you are in this moment just notice what your body is saying to you right now and in that moment you're like oh interesting like i'm actually on the outside of the circle right now why am i not anywhere near the even close to the edge like why am i so far from this and it just jolts you. You're like, whoa, like this is one of the most uncomfortable things I've ever done. Why? And it really, it really asks, it digs. So then you do the pillow fight and they're like, okay, like 
what that was representing because right after I just botched that right after that practice, he said, who incorporates play into their daily life? And of course, almost no one raises their hand. He's like, who incorporates play into their business? Not a soul. Didn't, it's not even a question. Who incorporating play in my business? What a ridiculous question. Who incorporates play into their relationship? And it was just this narrative of just like, hey, like, like, did you, you had resistance to it, but this is, this is how a human operates is in a play state. Like there's not just this rigid, strong hoorah moment. Uh, it's also this. Uh, and when you do it, you love it and it feeds your soul. And you don't need to do it all day, but it feeds your soul. It feeds, well, the inner child. It feeds a lot of parts of you. So it's so fascinating. So that gets rid of the guardedness initially. For the most part, you're like, I just crawled and had a pillow fight with these men. Like, that was so weird. But I guess we're closer now because we all just were all really vulnerable with each other. So that was the only disruptor that I experienced so far. Every other one was more of a slower process of just slowly garnering trust, slowly getting to know the men, slowly building that safety, building that trust, which builds consent. And then here we are having the ability to have safe conversations. And there were a lot of safeguards in some of them as well of just like, hey, this is a confidential space. So you guys are free to share what you feel like sharing. I trust you to share what feels good for you. And if it doesn't, you don't have to share it. Uh, so things of that were, were, were good safety mechanisms for the groups. And then um, my last group that I've been in that I'm in right now is more of a stern group, more of a, a lovingly assertive group is how I like to uh, approach it. And it uh, is designed specifically to um, disarm and discard you like ASAP. So it moves through things fast and in a little bit more of a, an assertive way, which I have appreciated because I know that I feel stronger in my sense of self with that approach personally. And I feel stronger leaving it um a lot of the approaches for the men's groups are taking a very vulnerable approach to it all and because we've been taught vulnerability is the next right step you and i have had a lot of conversations about that and how um challenging that can be as a journey and how maybe unhelpful it can be in our journey is just take that approach and so i note my resistance to those spaces i still attend them because i think that it's important to continue to disarm myself in small pockets like that. Um, but what all of that has done to come to your question is it has allowed me to get more in tune with myself and accepting myself, honoring myself, being able to look into my past, share the things that I feel I hold on to in a safe container, which disarms the shame uh, because shame breeds in silence. So the things that I... It, it, inhale rather than exhale are causing me more harm internally than they would if I were to share them. But I believe that sharing them is because it cause me more harm. I believe that I will not be a part of the community. I'll be ostracized. You won't like me. You'll abandon me. You'll all of these things. You'll see me in a shitty light. And so through all of these groups, that shame part of like, I'm a bad person. What's wrong with me? How could I do that? All of these things come into play. And that is all internal. Those are not conversations I have with people outside of myself. And so that shame is breeding in silence. So these groups hold a space for us, or for me at least, to unburden myself from that 
without them having to do anything about it. They're not there to fix it. You can't fix it. It's in the past. It doesn't exist. What they can do, though, is hold space for you to own and honor that part of you. One of the practices was, um, what are the things that you hold shame about sexually? And you were literally just in this kind of environment. Share all the things that you hold shame for about sex and sexuality. All the things. And so you just speak. You list. You rattle them off. And there's a lot more than you think. And things like your size is a big one. There's shame around size, shame around experiences in the past. Like these, these things you just get out. And then all of a sudden you walk away from that event and you've slowly honored that part of you by giving it room, by allowing it to breathe, by allowing it out so it's not in and doesn't breed. So that's what all these spaces have really helped with, with the disarming and also the shame removal in a sense. Hmm. I want to, I'm going to throw another question back at you, but I, there's, you know what, sometimes someone says something and then just like your whole brain just blows up because you feel like you've connected (laughs) some dots. I, um, listened to you talk, just unpackaging a lot of that. I just, I just had like a reflection moment on what sometimes being a man or what being the men's space feels like is being in a sales role. Right. And if anyone's ever done cold calling before or has done direct sales or outbound sales where you got to pick up the phone and you got to do a pitch, you got to do the song and dance, you got to listen, you got to be charismatic, you got to do all of these things. And then, you know, hopefully that leads to a deal. And sometimes it takes a couple of goes at it. Then it's a follow up and all of these kind of things. Right. If you picture that person's role and I'm going to make a core, I'm going to make a, a parallel here. Being a man is like being in a sales role where a lot of the tools that were given to teach us on how to become masculine, how to be successful, i.e. get a sale in this example, is all outbound. Like all of the learning that we get as a man is like how to pick up the phone again and how to make another call or how to swindle the next person where where the men's space lacks is talking about why that call went wrong. We just never address that. You know, that time when you pick up a call and it goes horribly wrong and emotions go sideways and you don't get the sale, instead of having, instead of the space being more of like, a, hey, let's talk about that call that you just had that went horribly wrong and like, let's start like unpackaging that. We just suppress everything that came from that call all the negative things that came from that call, whatever. And the feedback is on focusing on the next call and ignoring all the emotions that came with that call, you know? And the goal essentially as a masculine man in society or how I'm perceiving it, and I hope you guys are still with me in this example, is everything you learn about being a man is not focused on helping you understand what that was as much as it is getting after the next thing. And by getting after the next thing enough times, then it doesn't matter what you just went through. Like, don't, why does that, why does the sale that you didn't get three months ago matter right now? Just get this one. The one in front of you right now, 
use ABCD and get the sale in front of you right now. The one that didn't go right last week, who cares about that one? And I think the challenge with that is that you could actually learn so much more about how to pick up the phone and make a better call tomorrow by better understanding the call that you just had. You know, and studying it and understanding it, like living into it, you know, understanding, okay, what emotions came up? Why did that call go sideways? Why did that call go bad? Okay, cool. You know, and what these men's spaces are doing, to your point, is they're saying, hey, I'm not focusing on all these previous calls. And I know that I can't change the past, but I, I'm going to give you the space to talk about all those calls that went wrong because no one held that space for you before. So go ahead. What came up during that horrible call? Oh, I said X, Y, and Z, and then this happened. Cool. And then I said this, and then this happened. Cool. What did you learn from those things? Or what, what do you want to learn from those things? Cool. And then everyone nods their head and everyone, you know, says there are 30 horrible calls that they had with clients that didn't go well, whatever, blah, 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 blah. They get a bunch of feedback from that. They, one, get the vulnerable part of getting it out to say that, shit, I had a bad call. Two, they get to talk about what went wrong, what didn't. And then three, the actual learning there, the power of why that space is so powerful is that that salesperson is going to work tomorrow with a bunch of ammo from the past that they're like, they're liberated on, they're clear on, they understand and now moving forward is easier. And now picking up the next call and continuing to find success within masculinity is easier because I actually focused on figuring out why those calls went wrong instead of just like picking up the next call. It's the same way with people who in relationships, if you're going one bad relationship after another bad relationship after another bad relationship, but for you, it's like, oh, the next one's going to be better. Well, maybe the past one was the one that you need to learn from for the next one to be better. <laughs> like maybe just pushing past that one isn't probably not it. That's probably not the, that's probably not going to yield the success that you're looking for. And so it's interesting because I think that this epiphany has happened because I think what our platform does and why it might be considered so mushy and whatever is that instead of giving me the tools, right? If like a man were to listen to this podcast, he'd be like, is this helping with me with my next call or my last call? And because this is helping with my last call, I don't care. I Society's told me to not care about my last call. I care about my next call, i.e. Q podcasts about money, Q podcasts about picking up girls, Q podcasts about, you know, this, that, and the third. Any masculine content around your next call is highly indulged. Every piece of content about the last call is ignored because we're taught that going backwards just doesn't make sense. Why would you go backwards? Just keep pushing forward. Suppress and push forward. Don't cry, push forward, right? And what, by you speaking, the paintbrush that you kind of painted in my mind was the fact that these men's spaces, what they do is it's the first time you get into somewhere and what the support feels like is like, hey, I'm not going to force you to push through anything. Well, let's go, let's go back and talk about those calls that you wanted to talk about back when you were in the environment you were in and you never got a chance to. And now you're finding that from these places, you're feeling so much more powerful and so much more liberated because you're able to actually watch the game tape and watch your past with honesty, humility. You know, you get to bury some of that shame that you had and uh, it doesn't feel like you feel clear. You know, and then you can kind of get back to the to the game. And it's always about getting back to the game. It's not one of the things that I, I hate about the misconception about what we do in our space is that like the whole idea of going back to the last couple of calls is not to just live there and stay there. It's to go back there to get better, to make the next call, to still achieve, to still 
like have desires to still become the person that you want to become. It's not to pull you out of that, that determination and that drive to make you go sit in, you know, what is, what, what's the dog, the, 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 the closet, so to speak. Um, we don't want to sit in the closet as a podcast. We don't want to sit in the closet as, um, you know, two individual guys who are carving out our own paths. Like I don't want to dwell and sit in the, in the mud forever. The whole point about being in the mud is to figure out what is in there so that I can get clean so that I can continue to pursue what I'm trying to pursue. But I think there's a big, you know, there's a big narrative out there that is all about the next call and not about, you know, the last call. And I think that if we could change that tonality, and I think that some of these men's spaces are trying to do, um, we can ultimately continue to make sales. You know, it is at the end of the day about the next call. Yes. But don't be scared about talking about the last calls either because there's emotion that lives in those last calls that is going unaddressed. So I don't know if that, um, that highlights your experience at all or, or anything like that, but something that kind of rung true while you were speaking there. Yeah. I think that you wrapped it up. Well, I think that, um, as I was following, I was just kind of connecting the dots with all of the spaces that I've been in. And I think that, what I have witnessed is that, and now through my coaching as it develops, is the initial purpose of going back is to clear out the idea that you can do anything about it. So the idea that I should have done this, I could have done this, clear that because that's where the shame is. The shame is thinking that I'm a bad person and I could have done differently. You can't. Past doesn't exist. It's impossible to change. And so when we, when we, right now, the approach we're taking is, well, I could have though, like, I bet you if I did this or did this, right, you can think that, however, you're giving your mind something to do about that. It can't do that. Like it can't actually solve that problem anymore. What you're saying is that um, the next step following that clearing the shame and clearing the, um, it, the emotional attachment to that is then saying, okay, interesting. Like, what am I learning here? So if this is a repeated pattern, okay, so I should probably look at this from a more mm, fundamental lens of saying, okay, well, this could have, um, if I try this next time, I could get a different result, learning from the fact that I didn't try that last time. So being able to utilize the lessons from it. And I think that's the distinction I want to make following up with your share is that when you go back, thinking that you could have done that differently or should have done that differently is a waste of time. From here on out, it's go back and say, okay, like you said, what didn't go well and what can I do next time? It, it frames it differently. So then you're no, no longer attached to the fact that it didn't go well as an identity. Like look at all the shitty things I've done. Okay, well, it, it doesn't necessarily support anything in the now or in the future. It really just continues to push you into the past. So what these spaces are doing for me is they are allowing me to clear that shame by expressing it and just simply talking about it. Even if I don't explain the why, just simply saying like, this is what I hold shame for. Okay. Awesome. No problem. And just letting that sit like that clears so much of this like attachment that I have to it. This, I, um, I'm such a bad person or I'm not good enough because of this, this identity. And then from there, um, what we do is if we need to, then we can go in there and say, what did you learn from that? If it's not necessary, like for example, a shame around um, size, right? Penis size. If you have shame around that, um, to say you can go back and do something about that, or what do you? What did you learn from that? There's, it's not necessarily something that I go back and learn from. It's something that I need to take as a perspective now. Is different moving forward. 
But other things like mistakes or missed phone calls or bad sales calls, those things, yeah, absolutely. I agree. I think that I'm learning how to learn from that instead of beat myself up over it and demonize myself for it. It's just simply a contextual, no longer shame-based, but um, growth-based. Like, what can I do now? How can I do that differently? Rather than, why didn't I do that? How could I have done such a bad job? Just that shame-driven experience, um, clearing that and then moving forward. So that's what I think I hear out of all of that, is kind of um, what I, and what I've experienced out of these spaces. And they do so with loving assertiveness, right? Like that's what I mentioned earlier. They do so with um, not like a necessarily always a soft, mushy container, but uh, they mix in the one I'm in now. Let me rephrase. The one I'm in now holds a different type of standard to this work, but the most of them do hold that mushy container where it's like, hey, you can be vulnerable here and it's all good. It's all good. Like no worries. The other one, it says you can be vulnerable here and... I see higher for you. I see better for you. Okay, great. Let's clear that. Let's help you clear that. And then let's hold you accountable to making a change. Let's start doing something about this. Let's take action. Let's actually move your needle forward the way you want it to because it's an and both. So this container is slightly different, but yeah, yeah. I think that I think that wraps up what I, I heard at least. And um, that's why you mentioned they're so potent is because they're helping us do that. They're helping us do that in so many different ways, including play because I think sometimes we have shame around like, what do you mean I'm going to go play? Like what a stupid thing to do. It's like, well, yeah. play is a part of your life. So you're beating your beating a part of yourself up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I, I like the wrinkle that you added there because, yeah, there's things, there's certain things in our, in our past that we ridicule or we mask or we have insecurities around that are, you know, bigger than like an experience or how you act it out. Like it's more ingrained and some of those things are, you know, harder to kind of change. You have to kind of start doing the work around what are you going to actually think about those things? So definitely there's a good of a bit of a wrinkle there. Um, I like that you added that nuance to kind of wrap up, I guess the, the conversation surrounding the men's workshops to a two part question for you. What type of person do you think should seek out a men's group workshop? Like what kind of, when you think of the person who would benefit the most from it, and then what are some of the, if this was booking Airbnb or this is booking a flight, what are the filters? Like if you're going to like go, okay, cool. Before you go online and just have these filters in mind, like think, do I want this experience or do I want this? Like now that you've been in a couple of these, like how are you vetting them? Because it sounds like you're talking these some of these containers are different some of them sound a little bit more positive some of them sound like there's a little bit of wrinkle of need for improvement um, i'm just uh assuming based on your tonality but um what are the filters that someone should use as prompts to kind of zero zero in on getting the best experience um and then who's your ideal person that you think should uh should try to get into one of these I'll make this clear and concise as possible. The first answer to who do I think should do this is every single one of us. Hands down. I think that I made the mistake of not doing this earlier because of fear of judgment, fear of facing myself, fear of being held accountable, fear of all of these things, um, fear of failing even. And so I think that in the realm of personal development, it's kind of like how I view relationship coaching. I think every single one should, every single one of us should get it. Not because we're struggling too much or lacking or incapable, but because you are unable to see your blind spots. 
you are limited by your own potential that you see for yourself when others often see a higher opportunity and higher potential for you. So in the men's groups, I think every single man should be a part of one, hands down, no matter what, at one point. The vetting process, for me, it depends on what you're looking for because right now there are two different types of things that are happening. One is just an open invite. So anyone can come at any point and just be a part of a bunch of men who are just having a conversation. That's the predominant men's space that exists. Then you have the more structured and rigid um, containers where they're like six weeks long or they're four months long or they're a week retreat, things of that nature. And those are obviously more aimed at um, being more intentional with you as a person rather than like the, the masses of men. So know the difference between those two. The open invites are going to be generally quite simple in that you may just be listening to other men share their stories, share their vulnerability, open up in a specific way. Depending on the type of leader running the group, you may find someone who will uh, actually actively support them in that space rather than just let them open up and share their shame. Um, But most of them outside of that, the structured ones are designed to actually help you develop. They're actually there to design to help push you forward by utilizing a bunch of different tools like play, accountability, um, emotional processings, things of that nature. So the vetting process in my mind involves getting to know the facilitators first and foremost. If and how you would do that is most of them would offer a discovery call, an intro call to getting to know the people who are actually facilitating it, because that's what really designs the whole thing is that person. And the vetting in, for my mind, in that is, are they doing the work? If you have the slightest hint from them that they are not, do not take that course. Do not enter yourself into that container because you're setting yourself up for someone regurgitating information, not embodying it. So they ca- they're they going to have a really hard time supporting you and a really hard time holding space for you because they're just based on information. Not that there's anything wrong with that. There can be workshops that are just designed to teach you, but know what you want out of that. Do you want someone who is strong and firm and living that information that has already been living that information? Or are you looking for someone who just wants to teach you something? That can be okay too. You're just looking for a simple workshop, but just know the difference and you'll feel that energy. That's what I've noticed is that when you're having a discovery call with someone, you're talking to someone about their information, you'll sense if they're strong or weak in that information. Not weak as a person, just weak in the embodiment of that information. Are they actually living it? Are they breathing it, right? And the way that you can, yeah, you can usually tell is you can just sense their energy. And a lot of them will be overcompensating to prove to you that they're doing the work. So that's also another thing to look out for in the vetting process. Um, is, Is it too big and too grandiose that it's so in your face and you're like, are you sure you're doing this? That's when you're like, okay, maybe I should join a different one. Um, but there are a ton, so it's definitely getting complicated right now. Uh, the men's space is growing huge and it's incredible. Um, but it's definitely getting complicated. So that's my initial vetting. And the, if they don't offer that for me, then instantly don't be a part of it. If they don't offer an opportunity to meet the people who are actually going to be supporting you beforehand, give you an opportunity to actually choose, then it sounds like a, just a, a gimmick, a selling point to me. Um, and then... Yeah, just really just really know what outcome you're looking for as far as the vetting process goes. Walk in knowing what you want and does that correlate with what they're offering? Um, or is it just like the fancy marketing kind of got you? And so you're like, oh, that sounds cool. 
Okay, just know like you're walking in based on something that sounds cool, not something that's like intentional for you or purposeful. Um, and then to wrap that all up, I would suggest simply entering into an open invite. Just go to an open invite, go to an online Zoom call with a bunch of men, go to your local one because I would bargain every single city has one now. Go to your local one. Um, there's no strings attached. There's no big commitment you have to make. It's just show up, see how you feel, see what it, see how it works for you. And maybe show up a second time so that way you're out of the blinders of what comes with you know first time things and then make a decision from there so that way you can know okay this one's not for me i didn't i really didn't like how they operated i got some value but i would prefer something different no problem it exists it just slowly you kind of guide your own filtering process yeah that's that that's i think my answer to finding these spaces Those are some nuggets right there. I mean, that's a, I feel like a good, good foundation, good baseline. I think that you really got to speak into, um, got to add a lot of value to that space, just I guess, given your current experience with all of those things, the fact that you've done multiple, um, I think that there's definitely a lot to take away from that. I think that being, um, I think it's interesting that you think that every single man should um seek out one of these, these spaces i think that that's a bit more of a an interesting conversation which i think leads me to thinking that there is a lot of um like is this kind of the same rhetoric that we're hearing in the therapy space as well right this idea that everybody should get therapy you know even the ones that are doing good um and I don't, I don't know. I don't have an answer. I think that I think that therapy. Yeah, I think everyone should maybe get therapy. I think that everyone should maybe do one of these masks. But then what if like everything's going good? Like, I don't I think that we've gotten to this place of life where it's like we want to just like it's blanket state meaning everything. And it's almost lose. It's lost its je ne sais quoi because now everything is being blank. We can't do ev everything can't be for everyone. It's you know, it's um, there's got to be some nuance. Um, but I think that there is value in all of these spaces and that's what the what the biggest takeaway is is that there's value in every one of these spaces the men's workshop space therapy like there's you know and it's it's the it's the self-awareness part right if you mm -hmm. if everyone just really worked on their self-awareness then where to go next would become more clear you know and wouldn't feel like going to the joe like you know just doing things because they're like, trying to keep up with the joneses or whatever the case may be but um yeah, I think that your, some, your some, conviction... Something, something in there I'll, sp I'll speak to you because I like, I like that you brought that up. This idea that blanket statements... That here, here, here's my caveat to that. If you have a circle of men that's pushing you, that's holding you accountable, and that's calling out your shit, no worries. You're set. You're set. I think that that there is you where you don't need a space. But the challenge there is that it's about 99% of us that don't have that. And that we'll have other right. men in our space who will shy away from speaking the truth to us. And we'll also shy away from pushing us to be the best versions of ourselves. They won't mirror back to us. So mm -hmm. that would be a great caveat. If you have that circle, hell yeah. I love that. That's beautiful. You're already there. If you don't, then I would, I would highly encourage these spaces. I would even say too, if you have that, if you have that group of men in your life, I still think that it's very valuable for you to enter in one container. Go to one um, and experience it, what it's like to be in a different type of men's group that are with men you don't know and, and really get that vibe. 
but I don't think it's as much of a necessity if you have that circle of brotherhood already that is already um, in your life that's doing that for you. Because the, the whole the whole premise of it for me is community, right? The mm-hmm. whole premise of me is community. If you don't have that community, then no, you're not going to learn. Self-awareness will be a struggle. A lot of men I see are coming in not very self-aware and learning what it is like to be self-aware. So there's also that opp- opportunity as well. So there are steps and levels to it, which is why I think for me, you find what you need in that moment. I have no idea what I'm about to walk into. But they're like, okay, perfect. This is what I'll help you with. This is what you'll get out of it. Hmm, interesting. That sounds cool. But they wouldn't have known that if they didn't step into that container. So many of these things I really didn't understand. This last container is focused directly on integrity. Something I thought I was absolutely fantastic at. Turns out I'm not. I entered the container in. Yep, pretty confident in that. I feel good about that. This circle of brotherhood is like, mm, you can use some work. You can, you can, you could. <laughs> here's, here's different angles that you ha- aren't really taking into account. And I was like, holy shit, that would help so much. So uh, I, you can hear the caveats, right? Here's some of the nuances now coming through. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that would be my uh, my only rebuttal to that. Um, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Love that. I think that 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 rebuttal is perfect because uh, you know that's what's coming up for me, right? Is that I've I do have a brotherhood of you know a community of guys I depend on, I rely on, have, have you know been with me from you know the good days the bad days and you know we're still really really close and we're still uh deeply connected and you know in many ways it is a men's workshop you know just it's been a friendship for like many years um and i knew that that was a blessing you know i think that we don't the guys in that group we understand that what we have is unique and is is special so um i definitely think that you know if you don't have that in your life there's definitely a lot of power that comes with that with guys who aren't competing with each other but really genuinely want success for each other it's it's a different it's a different beast um and then you know to add to kind of the i thought i was good at that i wasn't good at that if you go to the gym and you work out and you're ripped and you know you kind of got it going on that doesn't mean that you couldn't benefit from going to a, a training session with somebody else right like just because you're in shape and you think that you're you know you're fit and you're good to go like you don't know what you don't know you know and so don't have that ignorance to the space as well like have that wrinkle in there like you could be mm-hmm. in shape you could be jacked you could be killing your routines you could be doing all of that and then go train with somebody and realize you've been fucking doing it wrong your whole this whole entire time um and so <laughs> never get too big headed in this in the in the idea that you could improve your level of understanding of um masculinity the manhood being a brother being a you know husband father all those good things um i do want to kind of wrap up i think we'll, we'll maybe touch on some of the things that I've been kind of doing. I think that this conversation kind of organically spent more time in this space, but I think that there was a lot of value there. But um, one thing I did want to, I guess, have as a wrapping up question, what is your biggest takeaway from all the spaces? What is, what's the thing that, you know, again, this can be selfish. This can't be this. You can avoid this being a sales or marketing kind of, pitch this can be wholeheartedly very selfish what was your biggest takeaway or biggest moment um that you've had within these spaces um that's gotten you to the point where you like you believe everybody should go get it you know usually that comes from a place of some 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 potent ahas um what would be the biggest one for you
Fantastic question. Not something I've deeply considered. As I process with you out loud in this podcast, as I've processed with all the men's groups themselves and also with my partner, I think that the biggest takeaway that I have learned from these spaces is I am unable to call in my people if I am not myself. So if I am inauthentic or untruthful and masked in any way, then I make it impossible for my people, my community to find me. And I make it impossible for me to find them. So I constantly find myself alone because of that. So the lesson that I have learned is that not everyone's my people and that trying to fit in with all people is doing me more harm than good and that my authenticity and my truth are actually really fucking valuable and have a lot to offer. Not the distorted version of me or the conditioned version of me or the um, masked version of me. The version of me behind all of that that I don't let out, that I've slowly actually started to let out even on this podcast as we've progressed and in in any men's space and even in my partnership. the the lesson has been offered to me simply through being present in those spaces. It's not been direct. They haven't said, let's build your authenticity. It's just been an outcome and one that's been reinforced by sharing, holding space, being held accountable, uh, and actually being, well, I guess there are spaces that have actually said, like, let's let's express your authenticity here. Let's get your truth here. Let's find that. Let's rediscover that. Let's share that. And fuck yeah, we love it. Like you're a great, you're uh, the amount of compliments I have gotten from these men's groups over the last two months has been outrageous more than I have had in probably my entire life because they have opened themselves up to be able to witness me in my authenticity, which is just something else. It is something else. And the level of freedom I've received on the other side for myself has been huge. Absolutely huge. So that would be my biggest, my biggest takeaway. My biggest lesson is like, dude, yeah, it, regardless of all the things that you've done or haven't done, you're a, you're a solid human being. You're a great, you're a gray man. And we want all of you. The world wants all of you. So. That's one hell of a takeaway. I mean, if you weren't <laughs> interested in doing one before and you don't have a community, I don't know if that... Um, that doesn't pull you in. I don't know what does. Um, and I, and what a way to kind of wrap up why our, our, our podcast is called, you know, masculinity with a K is, you know, it just feels like you're, you're really getting to that bottom layer, you know, and sometimes you can't, the one nuance that we don't really talk about on the show is that that mask that you have up sometimes as much as you want to pull it down, you can't pull it down by yourself. You know, and I think what you just kind of attested to is that like sometimes it takes somebody else taking the mask off for you and then you realizing that you like what's under it, you know, um, because we don't always have the courage to take the mask off ourselves. So um, 
if a men's space is calling your name or you've been curious about it, I hope that that adds a, a little nudge to, to get you to go in and, uh, and indulge, learn, be curious. I think, I think, I think men can be more curious. You know, I think that I, I think we can mm. use a little yeah. bit more curiosity and self-discovery and not just conquering. Um, and so, yeah, I hope that that was a testament. I hope that, you know, you felt like you got everything out. Um, you know, thank you for all your shares. Thanks for, you know, being willing to kind of discuss, you know, your personal journey. I think that being a podcaster, sometimes I feel like I can't keep things to myself. Um, you know, you don't have to share everything that you're doing in your life with other people. You know, you could just be doing this in silence in the background and it's your personal journey. But the fact that you're willing to come on here and talk about it to help other people maybe embark on their own journey, like that's super cool to me too. So um, the continued vulnerability that you you share and you offer the audience is, is definitely cool. We don't, we don't got to tell everything about our lives, but the things that we choose to share is always in, uh, in support of you guys or girls, whoever, whoever's watching, um, and being influenced, um, and being inspired to, to find that, that, that higher self of yourself. But, um, yeah, that wraps it up for me. Yeah. Appreciate that. I, 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 I am glad that I I feel honored as time passes to be continued to be witnessed in all the truth. So I'm grateful for those spaces because they've offered me so much and my level of filtering process has completely changed. And, uh, yeah, it's a lot of internal safety now. So it's nice. But I'm glad that this conversation took a turn in this direction because this is a conversation that we haven't really been fully able to have or speak to you because we haven't entered these spaces yet. We have wanted to. We knew it's been a part, an important part of the development here for us at Modern Masculinity. And I think that this is really helping both of us understand how to better support all of you listeners, how to better hold space for you, how to be um, in integrity with it all and, and what we could do better constantly. So with that, obviously, we didn't get a chance to speak fully about all of our experiences that we've currently been going through. That will be our next episode because this one was definitely more focused on myself. Anwar has been through a wild, wild journey as of late, and he's done so many incredible things. So I cannot wait to pepper you with questions because that's literally what's going to happen. Um, so for now, uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Before we exit, I do want to know, we do want to know from you, uh, how these episodes are landing with you. Listen, we've been doing this for a while now and we deeply care about your feedback. We want it. We crave it. We desire it. We want to know what is it that you think we're not hitting here? What is it that we are hitting here? What kind of episodes are you looking for? What topics do you think that we should cover and speak to? And what is your current feedback? What is your thoughts around our podcast? So please email us at modernmasculinity at gmail.com. You can also just DM us through the Instagram account and send us a message around, hey, I think you guys should you know, talk about this topic. We'll be on it like wildfire. Um, or even just suggest a, a range of topics or discussions that maybe you've heard of. We would love to have those discussions and see what we can come out with them. So Thank you so much for that. I appreciate that in advance. So does Anwar. And we appreciate you for listening. Y'all are the best. Thanks for continuing to support us. And we will see you in the next video. Next podcast, not next video. <laughs> What's up, everybody? 
thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Modern Masculinity Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode and we invite you to join us next week as we put out content every single Wednesday. Our goal with this platform is to create a community to support men on their journey of becoming conscious kings. And in saying so, if you took any value out of this episode or previous episodes, please share, download, subscribe. And if you're feeling really up to it, go ahead and leave a review. You can follow us at Modern Masculinity. Remember, the K, it's with a K, not a C, to represent the mask that we wear. And like always, thank you for listening. And we'll see you next week.